Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Welcome back. How are you doing? We are into December, really into it now. Are you starting to feel a little griefier on the holidays? It got to me a little bit the other day. I'm going to be honest. There's always this one grocery store around here. There's like an Italian delicatessen that my dad used to love. And I remember going in there with him around Christmas time. He was like a kid in a candy store looking at all the meats and cheeses and just having such great memories with him there that every time I go in there now at Christmas time, and they like deck it the fuck out. I mean, like poinsettias everywhere, Christmas songs blasting in your face. All of the employees are wearing Santa hats. They, it's there's it's unavoidable in this store. And I was in there the other day and other years it's completely taken me down. This year I'm just like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. And I went in. I'm like, ooh, there it is. There it is. There's that little feeling in my throat. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this without crying, but I did. I just got out of there as soon as I can. So we'll see if that gets worse as the season goes on. But Thanksgiving was really wonderful. I talk about that a little bit in this episode. I hope that you all had a good Thanksgiving. I hope that you've got good plans for the holidays coming up. It's super helpful to make sure that you've got a good plan. But start talking with your friends and family. What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to honor your person? Figure it out now. It's much better than waiting to the last minute and letting the grief overtake you. Anyway, enough about the holidays. If you want more on that, you can listen to episode 26 with Jamie Ailes from Grief Unfiltered. But today we are talking to Chelsea London Lloyd. Chelsea is a comedian and a grief activist. She uses humor to help people cope with their pain. We know about that here on the So Sorry for Your Lost podcast. I try to make you guys laugh whenever I can bring on people that can bring that up for you too. Chelsea grew up with two sick parents, barely even hit double digits in her life. And both of her parents were given devastating blows. Her dad was diagnosed with ALS, her mom with breast cancer. Her dad passed away when she was 19 years old, right in the middle of college. She talks about how sad that left her, how she felt like she didn't really get the full college experience, some experiences she had with acting professors and how they told her that using comedy as her therapy wasn't necessarily a good idea. We really dig into that this episode. And as for her mom, she did go into remission, but unfortunately a few years ago, the cancer came back as metastatic. So Chelsea really has a lot of anticipatory grief with both of these situations. She talks about that and gives some really good advice, which is super funny because she thinks she doesn't give good advice, but she does. She gives tangible things that you guys can leave today with on how to help you in your grief. So wait till the end of the episode for that. Also, she talks about some really helpful groups that she's a part of. She's just full of knowledge. She's been dealing with this her entire life practically, which is a sin because, oh my God, it's been four years for me and I feel like I'm the ripe old age of 89 at this point. It really takes a toll on you, but she keeps it fresh and fun and she's funny and I'm so happy to have her on. I've been hunting her down for a little bit. She travels all over the place. We've had to reschedule the episode a few times. She was in like five different states in the last week, finished with the exotic shores of Arkansas. Just kidding. And now she is back to have this interview to tell us about her life with grief and her very fabulous Dying of Laughter podcast. I mean, is that not the best freaking title for a show of this topic ever. Yes. Chelsea London Lloyd. So you're back in LA. Are you doing more travels too? Or was Arkansas your grand finale? 
I, great question. I mean, <laughs> as of now, I find out like a day or two before. So like there will be something else, but it's such a last minute life, but it's just been a transition of like, it's always been this way, but like with COVID and for the past couple of years, it just like hasn't, which is like really when I've launched, you know, done the pod the past two years. And now that it's like kind of a thing again, it's like, okay, tomorrow be here and wipe your schedule for the next 10 days. So it's, yeah. It's don't cool. you feel like life went back to hundred miles an hour with no notice whatsoever? Yeah. Like something weird of like the fact that I, yeah, I wouldn't have been traveling last year. So I was like, oh, okay. But it was weird of like the Arkansas, I was supposed to shoot on the ninth. And then literally the day, the night before Thanksgiving at 8 PM, they're like, can you get here next week? And I was like, okay. And then I rebooked everything. And then Sunday night, this past week, they're like, you need to get here tonight. So then I literally like ran to the airport and then like last night at like whatever time it was eight or nine, it was like, okay, your auditions tomorrow at whatever time in the morning. And then I'm like, oh yeah, like this is going to be a problem for podcast scheduling, but making it work at least. Oh yeah, totally. How did the audition this morning go? Oh, it was cool. It was for Geico. Thank you. It was like a playoff of the bachelor girls. So I was like, great. Oh, love it. Are you a bachelor fan? Yeah. Like obsessed, but also like old enough that I'm not obsessed anymore. But like, st- like when I was like 20, it was like my, I loved it. Yeah. But now I'm like, I love it, but I also don't care. Yeah. I, don't Is that how you I feel exactly the same way. Like I haven't watched a stitch of Michelle season, but I will follow the accounts that talk about it because like, I want to hear about the drama. I want to hear about, you know, all, Oh, Michelle's doing the run and jump all the like brand things that everybody talks about with it. So I'm in the same boat as you on that. But I love, I love Michelle. I actually skipped the past couple seasons and I came for her because she's one of my favorites I've ever, yeah, I've I've ever seen. I just love her. So yay, Michelle. Yeah, I agree. I do really like her. I have nothing against her. And that's not why I'm not watching. I just, it's just a small child. So I have a small child. I I have so much, so many things going on. And that's why it's like, if I still can catch up on it a little bit by like following some of the Instagram accounts or listening to some of the podcasts that recap it, then I will. So I'm still here in the, I'm still a bachelor nation fan. Anyway, super happy to have you on today. Dying of laughter podcast host, but also so many other projects that you have going on. You're in sketch comedy. You're doing stand-up shows, which is totally cool. I would love to catch you one day. We need to make that happen somehow. You've been on shows on ABC, HBO. What is your like dream gig? If there is something that somebody called you tomorrow or in the middle of this podcast interview right now, and you'd be like, Gianna, gotta go. See ya. I've got this thing going on. My number one dream project would be to work on a scripted sitcom that was a dark comedy surrounding young people surviving the losses of their parents and siblings. Ooh. A show specifically about that topic. That would be my dream, which is cool because that's what we'll be talking about today. Have you found any projects like that? Like, are there things like that in the works already that you're able to audition for? Or like, do we need to make that happen stat? Let's make it happen stat. Um, yeah. No, my favorite shows about that. There's some shows that talk about death, right? Dead to me was a really good that one. That was the first thing that came to mind. Love, 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 love that. Yeah. Yes. And I think there's some films that are starting to talk about it more, but I feel like there's still so many aspects of the television shows and the way that these things are perceived that you're like, that is not actually how people feel. It's like her mom died. And now the whole movie is just like, about how she's sad, but not like grieving. It it doesn't show the specifics of grief and how it Mm -hmm. impacts you. And I think conspiracy theory, not a conspiracy theory, theory, grief is so hard to explain in a short amount of time. And a lot of episodes are 20, 25 minutes. 
and you really need to watch someone grieve over many years to get the full experience. However, some television shows, if they're successful, they they're aiming for seven seasons anyway. So I do think it can be done, but a lot of shows are thinking, well, we might only get one or two seasons. So they don't know if they can fully explore that. What about you? you Favorite show about grief? That's an interesting way to look at that. I, I agree. Um, it would be really nice to see somebody dive into it over a few seasons because that really is, you know, I'm in my fourth year of it and there's still so many things that are new just in this year alone. Somebody had, I had on a recent podcast had said, grief is not Carrie Bradshaw in the Sex and the City movie where it happens. She's in a dark room for a few days and then her friends pull her out of it and she's like waltzing around New York again. You know, she's, she's grieving and she's hurt, but you don't really see, they don't talk about like the first time she goes to a party and she's single from the breakup, you know, versus like when you first time you go to like a family event and that person's not there or cleaning out the person's closet and figuring out things with the estate, like all those things have to go into it too. I thought that was true from that person who said that, but then also the new Sex and the City series is coming out next week, which is something I totally want to watch because I'm not sure if you heard, but it's rumored that someone dies. I was not aware. That is fascinating. One of the leads dies? We don't know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the, uh, the big rumor pun intended is that it might be big. Oh, I wonder how that will be addressed. That's really interesting. Let's definitely watch that. Yeah. There was in the trailer, there's a scene of Christopher Noth, who is the guy who plays big. He's on a treadmill. And I'm like, okay, come on, we're, we're going to do it that way. The, the stereotypical old white male on a treadmill has a heart attack and dies. Like, is this is how this is going to go down? Oh my gosh. I, I wonder, I have no idea if the rumor is that he dies in the first episode or just at some point. I don't know. Just at some point. Okay. Stay yeah. tuned. We don't I know. know. There's also a show coming out called pivoting that I'm very excited about. I've auditioned for that before. And it's about three women who are grieving the loss of their best friend. They're, they're moms. I'm not sure how old they're, they're in their forties. I want to say their kids are like middle school, high school. Are they in their fifties? I'm not sure. One of their best friends <laughs> dies and the trailer opens up and they're like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do about Michelle? She would have wanted us to live our best lives. That's totally um, downplaying yes. comedy, but it's just all about how their friend is dead and they're picking up pieces and they're going to live their dreams because their friend is dead. And you should check it out. It's going to be really funny and dark. And I think it's going to hit exactly the type of grief stuff that we like in a comedy that said comedy only go so far with addressing the depths of it, but we'll see how pivoting does it. I think it'll be great. Yeah. Hot tip from Chelsea, the show pivoting. Where's that on? It is coming out on Fox coming out on Fox. Yes. All right. Awesome. Eliza Coop, Jennifer Goodwin and Maggie Q. And okay. It's all awesome. It's it's really good. Like pl- everyone, please watch the trailer right now. I know a writer on the show. I'm not on the show. I would love to be on the show. I am not. That is cool. Maybe I'll be on it later. Maybe, Maybe next won't. season. Yeah. Still I like can. that it. I like that it details the grief of a friend, though. I feel like that's something that doesn't get touched on a lot. Yeah, I think it's a cool theme for a show too, because it's just a way to address grief in a fun way in that yeah. okay, she died before it even starts. And now these women can have all these thoughts about it, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much grief it's going to go into versus the comedy. I, I do not know, but yeah, it's interesting to see if the woman who died, does she have kids she left behind? And are we following that family? Cause that would be a cool element. I would assume so, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, you put it grief in a fun way. That is what you're doing with your podcast, dying of laughter. First of all, 
best name for a podcast by far. I absolutely love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to doing a podcast about death. Your dad passed away from ALS. Your mom has been battling breast cancer. Tell us a little bit about your family, your journey, paint a picture for the audience of who they are. When I was in third grade, my parents were diagnosed with ALS and breast cancer. However, both at one time within the same year, get out. However, my dad had been having symptoms for years before that. So he thinks he had ALS for up to four years before that. Mm. And we will never know, but there were signs and his back and muscle spasms and dropping things for several years before his diagnosis. It just kind of painted the picture of the rest of my life in many ways. And yet it also didn't, I don't see it as the main thing that defined me, but it is something that's interesting that people ask about of like, what was that like in general? What I remember is, yeah, my, my dad was in a wheelchair for most of my life. He was completely paralyzed head to toe for over 10 years. Like did not wow. lift a pinky, did not move his head left or right. Like just very, very paralyzed. That's yeah. what paralysis. he was stationary for a long time. He moved into a care home when I was in seventh grade. My mom wow. had a primary caregiver for a good number of years. And yet at a certain point when your paralysis is so complete and you're a bigger guy and you're like six, four and you can't move. Like she couldn't even lift him to the bed. So Mm -hmm. eliciting help there. And she did that while going through chemo and surgery and radiation and losing her hair. Fortunately, she was fine a year or two later. So that's good. It still is something that I think about of, wow, my mom was really overlooked in those times. That must be really interesting. You know, you're in your forties, you have your two kids, but your husband's disease is fatal and yours is resolvable to an extent. And still, of course, terrifying if that is what you're going through. And then my dad died, just going to cut through some details. My dad died when I was 19. I was a freshman in college. It was my birthday. Then my mom's birthday. Then the next day he died and we knew he was going to die for the last few years, which was horrible and helpful at the same time. There's no right way to look at that. I did experience anticipatory grief for almost all of my life. Is that better or worse? Not necessarily either, but I fortunately did get to say goodbye. It's interesting because I talk about goodbyes with a lot of people on my podcast, which I'm sure you do as well. I'm really glad that I did. And Yet I also resented, it was extremely awkward. He didn't speak for the past year. So I just like spoke to someone who didn't respond. That wasn't great. And yet I'm still, and I'm sure many people would still be grateful for that opportunity. And then my mom's breast cancer returned stage four metastatic several years ago. It returned over 17 years later. And she's been living with that successfully question mark for the past few years. She is fortunate to be treated at UCSF has very good care and so far so good. And yet it is also overwhelming. She goes, I don't think people understand like how much is involved with a stage four diagnosis because she looks good. She can like walk and talk and eat and drive. So that's very good. It's overwhelmingly good as opposed to an alternative. And yet she goes to the doctor often multiple times a week, weekly blood tests, scan every few months, radiation shots. It seems like it becomes a full-time job. It does. It absolutely does. So 
yay that it's not worse and boo that it's so exhausting for all of these years. So that is where we are at now. And the podcast started two years ago based on all of these experiences. And how do you incorporate humor into everything that you're going through? I mean, you always hear the phrase like, oh, you have to just learn how to laugh. And it sounds so cliche, but you really do. And it, you know, laughter is the best medicine. It helps you kind of just not take the other things in life so seriously. So how has comedy helped you through these times of your life? The two questions, how do I use it? And then how has it helped me? I'll answer how has it helped me first. It has always helped me because it has been my main coping mechanism for the duration of my life. I started performing in musical theater productions three times a year since I was four or five. So I've been in all the musicals, all the things. And I was often cast in roles that were the comedic relief and using that as a form of self-expression and therapy was extremely helpful. And yet I also encourage artists to seek out actual therapy. Many artists and creatives and entrepreneurs and so forth can use their outlets as a therapeutic mechanism, which to a point is understandable and healthy, but it's like, no, I had acting professors in college that were very clear, like, this is not your therapy. And it really made me think because I thought, well, yeah, it is, but that's dangerous, right? A lot of people can get into art for those reasons. It's complicated, yada, yada. But I used comedy as my therapy first and foremost. I also used comedy as a way to make the adults in my life feel comfortable. There was a lot of people that didn't, that didn't know what to say to a six and an eight-year-old about both of their parents, you know, like one was bald and one was in a wheelchair and like people had thoughts, right? So I would laugh and be like, haha, see, I'm fine. I'll make you feel comfortable, which was a survival tactic. That was yeah. you know, mostly healthy, but that is how it started in the beginning. And how do I use it now? I ask people, everyone on my show, which you have been on, like, what is the most comedic element of your grief story? I ask questions that are unique ways in about like the creativity and the comedic aspects of their journey of the sickness, if sickness applies to their loss of how they've coped afterwards. So it's asking those questions. I also address death very heavily in my standup. I address death in the projects that I'm making from a scripted point of view, which is a whole other topic. And I really just do everything that I can to combine the two where it makes sense. There are places where it doesn't make sense. And I always say, first and foremost, recent loss isn't funny. If you lost your mom yesterday, right. And you're not laughing. There's nothing wrong with you. It's very serious. It's comedy equals tragedy plus time. So as time goes on, there are more and more opportunities to laugh. And because for better or worse, I have been experiencing this for such a long time. I've found unique ways in through comedy to address grief. That's a really good point. There are times where I'm like, oh, like I should send this person something. Like I'll see like a funny meme or something or whatever on, on Instagram. And I'm like, mm, might be a little too soon for that type of death humor for them just yet. So you're right. I mean, you know, like I wasn't, I think a lot of it too, was like the experience of it. Like once you get through some of the experience, you may not understand some of the humor to it yet until you're a few years in or, or what have you, does your mom listen to the podcast and what does she think of it? Yeah. Good question. She does. She listens to, well, not every single episode, mom, come on, but, oh, but a good amount of that. 
Hey, give her a break. There's like over 80 at this point. So I'm like, you know, yeah, no, she listens to it. She's been on the show, which is really fun. I think she's very used to it at this point. Like she knows what I'm doing. She, she understands she approves mostly. I mean, there's still some things she's like, I don't know if that's as funny as you think it is. And I, what I will say is like years ago, she didn't think this was funny at all. So that's something I kind of forget. I forget to address that because now I'm like, yeah, my mom's on board, but originally she was not she's had her diagnosis for i think four four and something four and four years and change maybe five so we've come a long way at the beginning mm-hmm. she was I'm not doing the podcast. I'm not talking about this, you know, and it was like opening her up to it and encouraging her to go to therapy, which she didn't really do. Cause my mom's hilarious. She's like, I have no idea what I would talk about. What, what am I paying for? What would I say? I'm like, talk about the fact that you have a stage four cancer diagnosis and you don't know how long you're going to live. She's like, I don't know. What would they say? I'm like, I don't know what they would say. That's why you need to go. And yeah, figure that out. But what I've learned from her, what is cool about her though, is she's not, she doesn't see herself as a victim at all. Like if anything, it's like the opposite of how I am. Like, I'm like, Oh, let's like really analyze everything. And she's just like, my life's been so great. And I just love my life and I love my girls. And if anything happens to me, I feel like I did everything I wanted to do. So like, that's cool. Go mom. But also therapy is cool. And also let's address some of the things that could be underneath that huge therapy fan huge therapy fan totally on board with that as well and speaking of i want to go back to when you said that you've had people that have told you that comedy is not therapy do you ever look at your podcast as your therapy sometimes because i kind of just looked at it like oh i think this might be like a form of therapy for me too i had an episode a couple weeks ago where i talked about the holidays and getting through them because i don't know how you feel i hate them do you are you feel similar in terms of grief i don't hate i'm not like a grinch but just it, it's they're difficult around the the holidays sure yes no i i do agree i do think holidays are a weird time in general for everyone and they're a beautiful time like there's just so much that yeah. come with holidays. yes so right right it's- you're like i don't know if i'm crying because this is so beautiful or am i crying because my person's not here like i can't interpret which tears or what yeah yes. it's one of those times that trigger that for sure i will also say because my parents were sick when i was younger like there was like shitty holiday times for me earlier so there is also a sense of relief now that is mm. not experienced because of that so that's a little bit backwards also like Hanukkah and Christmas and like my dad was like only Hanukkah and my mom was all also Christmas and they would like argue over that and like weird shit that I'm like I'm glad that we never have to talk about that again also happy Hanukkah it's currently Hanukkah cool it's way too <laughs> early I'm like why is it's it Hanukkah? early like I'm yeah. exhausted I feel yeah. like I mean, you barely like wiped the mashed potatoes off your face. And the next thing you know, you're lighting candles and it, it came really quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's happening? So I mean, <laughs> there were some stressful things that, I mean, you just have to laugh. Like my dad couldn't feed himself. So people had to like feed him with holidays. It was like trying to find the right nurse for holidays. And he wanted Claire, mm. but like Janice was available and then he was mad and then he couldn't like eat solid food. So then it was like, the like Christmas smoothie. I mean, there are some things I'm not going to lie that have improved because of all of this, but I'm also several, you know, I'm farther out than most people that I talk to on my podcast. You know, it's been 10 years now for me. 
So the good news is it gets easier and it gets better. The bad news is it takes a fuck ton of years. I don't know what else to tell you. It takes a long time, but it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's other things that like different types of grief come around eventually too, like grief that you don't even know of now, as you get to different things in your life where you feel like you're fine with one sense of your grief and all of a sudden the other part of it feels really weird. But yeah, I did feel like having that whole episode and being able to talk about the holidays and grief in addition to the therapy sessions I already have in talking about planning for the holidays and grief. It was like, I was double prepared. And I honestly had one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had in my life, let alone after the passing of my dad. So that was really nice. So I wonder, do you ever get criticism from people about the way that you approach the podcast and, and death? Like, do people look at you like, oh my God, why would you ever talk about that? LOL. Or how dare you for making fun of this? I'm sure there's someone, hello, like Marjorie in Ohio. Like, what do you think of me? I don't know. (laughs) There's someone. What's interesting is, look, so far it's had a really positive response. I will say that I anticipate there being backlash at some point. I don't feel that it's a, a large enough space yet for that criticism to, to be there, but I, I do expect that at some point, like last year I worked for Buzzfeed for a year. And so I was making grief content and other kinds of comedic content. And, you know, when you have a large enough audience like Buzzfeed or someone does, I personally have received a ton of criticism for things I've made because there are certain digital audiences that are just wild. The podcast hasn't received any yet, which is amazing, but you know, it's way smaller than any type of Buzzfeed project. So stay tuned for in a few years, what that looks like. I always preface my comedic conversations with people too. Like, hey, what is comedic about your story? And if that doesn't resonate, what is unique or unexpected about your story? You know, Mm -hmm. using other words that might resonate with people. And I think if someone really didn't resonate at all, they probably wouldn't agree to come on the show. They wouldn't listen to the show. They probably wouldn't even click on it. You know, my messaging and graphics, it's all very clear that this is what's going to be out there. So probably if you were like repulsed, you just wouldn't even listen, but- yeah. Stay tuned. Who knows? I also think some of the people that might be insulted by this, like haven't gone through it. Interesting. That's an interesting point for sure. Or because it, laughter and comedy sometimes is survival, right? Like we've talked about, like, it's just like, you almost have to find something to be able to laugh at, or you cannot make it through. There are only so many days that you can spend at the absolute bottom of the pit. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off your first month because I love you and I want to see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. You probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out. BetterHelp.com SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash SSFYL. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I will preface as well. I volunteer at 
two different grief camps every year. So I've done. Oh, new- yes. Tell me about these. Oh yeah. Well, I've done, I think five or six. Now the companies I work with are our house, which is specific to LA grief groups and then experience camps, which has grief groups in California, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and I think Michigan, maybe somewhere else. So that's a little bit of a bigger brand, but they're both wonderful companies. They're both for kids who are grieving the losses of their parents and siblings, six to 18. Some of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. All the staff are volunteers. Most of them have lost parents and siblings. Sometimes there's other people who just like want to help. And the companies talk about how it's important to have allies too, for kids to know other people who are also in support of them who haven't experienced it. You might really like it. No pressure. You have a small child, but like, it's pretty incredible. I would love to get involved with something like that. Yeah. We'll have to talk offline about that. Yeah. Even if you just did it once, you know, you don't have to do it like twice a year for the rest of your life or something. It's just, there's nothing like it. And so what I was going to say about that is I met a lot of people in the grief communities through those circles. And I did a lot of research before launching my podcast, you know, for over a year of talking to people and, you know, just also getting ready, all the tech, getting all the technical stuff ready. But I spoke with a little, a lot of people with different kinds of losses than my own to make sure I was respecting those types of losses. You know, like a lot of losses that a lot of people come to my show who have lost people to suicide, addiction, and other Mm -hmm. things that were more sudden or including accidents, any kind of sudden loss or loss that are very different than the illnesses that I've had. I wanted to research that. And a main question in my mind, like a a, a theory I had was, are those people going to think that death is funny in the way that I do? And the answer was overwhelmingly surprising. It was yes. Mm. And of course, this is not a blanket statement where everyone stands. If you're listening, if, if you don't stand though, that's totally valid too. But so many people who had lost people who had lost their parents to addiction or suicide or something sudden also found hilarity and bizarre comedy in their stories. And that really surprised me because I thought maybe it would just be a totally different thing. And I'm sure, you know, from talking to people on your own podcast, what's so fascinating about the grief communities is how much we all have in common, even yeah. have lost people in completely different ways. Yes. Like and I have both lost our dad so we can drive a little bit more on that. But even people, I was like, what if I have nothing in common with someone who lost their brother and turns out that I do? Yeah, there really is. There's a lot of running themes through all of them, no matter the person or the way that they pass. There's a lot of things that we go through in grief that is also like the hidden aspects of it too, right? Like it's like people you would never think to, it's almost, I say it's like this secret club. Like you don't know until you're in it and you're like, oh, I, you know, it's, I said something recently about it. Like it's, it's really jarring to get your membership card, but there are a lot of benefits to membership. LOL, benefits to membership. So true. That reminds me of like my union card, like my SAG after the actors union. I'm like, what are my benefits? It's like, yeah, what are the benefits of this? Yeah. And I feel like it even feels weird to say that because you're like, what? Like there's benefits to the fact that your dad died. It's like, well, when you phrase it that way, no, but when, you know, going through grief and just becoming a different person and meeting people like you and, and developing this whole podcast, like there are so many things that have come from his death that would have never happened had that not happened, you know, to, so to look at it in a, in a different way, community's freaking wild, man. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a whole community. And I don't know about you. I, I was scared for launch, well, not scared, but a, a thought that crossed my mind before launching. I was like, what if I run out of guests? Like, 
who has lost people? I don't even know because yeah. nobody talks about it, but there's so many more people. There's so many. There's like, so many. I, I find myself and I feel like you probably do too. You're like, oh my God, like there's, okay, now I have to figure out the schedule and da, da, da. And do I put this person here? And do I put this person here? And then like turning some people away because it doesn't align with, you know, what you're trying to tell on the podcast. But yeah, like I said, people come out of the woodwork and people want to talk about it. That's the yes. thing. People want to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. And I think doing this all virtually has had its benefits too. Like you're saying, I mean, I think if I was still, when I first started was all in person, if I was doing this in person every week in yeah. LA, it's possible that I would have run out of people, not even because there's a lack of people, but just because bigger podcasts have people that are helping you book and, and get it all organized. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know if I would be able to sustain weekly, but since it's been virtual, there's always someone that I can find it's it, because it's beyond my personal network at this point, you know? So I think that's yeah. what I have from the podcast going virtual. Yeah, I agree. What, what advice do you have for people that may be going through similar situations with their parents or family members that you had? So like, we'll start with your dad and watching somebody that you love decline like that in front of you. Yeah, it sucks. So if you are overwhelmed or exhausted, I fully validate your experience because it sucks. Hopefully most people won't watch their person die for over a decade. Hopefully yeah. if you do, I was going to say, text me, uh, I'm not gonna give my phone number. If you do, <laughs> uh, DM me, let's discuss our very unique experience. However, a lot more people will watch the physical deterioration of a loved one at some point. I would say, give yourself a lot of grace. It is really uncomfortable. It is, it does feel unnatural. I think there's so many people on podcasts that have like the perfect advice. I don't. Yeah. The advice yeah. I do have is take care of yourself. Book something on your calendar every week that can be a small moment of grace for you. Whether Ooh. whether that is a, a scheduled walk, whether that is a call with a friend, and I don't even care if that friend has been through loss, just the fact that you have that outlet to look forward to, whether that is a massage, whether that is a workout, whatever that looks like. I was talking to my therapist about the benefits of putting things on your calendar in advance, because not only are you getting the benefits on that day, but yeah. knowing it's coming in a week or in a month, knowing you put something on your calendar, like February 2nd, I am going for a hike or I'm getting a facial in honor of the distress that is upon me, I think is very, very valuable. I am and going to negate what you just said. When you're oh. like, I don't have any good advice. That was <laughs> fabulous advice. You are you. lying. That was great advice. Okay. Thank you. I love that. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm so bad at like accepting any form of praise. I'm like, what? Okay. Uh, thank <laughs> you. Um, another tool I'm a huge fan of is the voice memo. Now, let me tell you why. With these uncomfortable topics, such as grief, it does benefit us to communicate with humans. So yes, please get a therapist. And yet I understand that's not for everyone or some people won't, or some people can't, but I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I actually did find, find a fantastic online virtual therapist the past year. Again, if you have, if you have the means to go in person and that works out for you, great. Like, let's not deny that that's great. But I literally saw a woman for over a year during the pandemic online and benefited tremendously. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And especially I learned that with her, I actually in some ways benefited even more because I didn't miss weeks. Whereas in person, sometimes yeah. you have to miss weeks. I mean, right. With your traveling travel. and all the gigs and stuff that you're doing, the virtual is probably perfect. Yeah. 
Yes. And you know, even from uh, coordinating with me, like how many times I've had to have scheduling issues because of the <laughs> I've been going for shows and this last film shoot. So it's like, well, shit, like some, well, me too. Stop. Oh my God. Our first, the one where I interviewed for you on your podcast, I had like just broken my ankle. And I think <sighs> I was like 15 minutes late to that. Cause I had my first PT appointment. And then the second one, I was hospitalized with like the worst food poisoning of my life. I did think about that last night. I was like, Oh dear God, I hope I stay healthy for this interview tomorrow. Cause she's going to think I'm lying to her. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So my advice for grief, voice memos. The reason I'm such a fan is because it's really important to continue to get it out. Like there's just so much you're sitting on and then you just keep processing all of this. You just, you're just overwhelmed with all of your feelings, right? So you need, you need to get it out. So, which is why confiding in friends is also a huge opportunity or other family members or people in your community. Of course, phone calls are great. In person is great, blah, blah, blah. But when people are busy, sometimes someone might not be able to answer right then and there. So I'm obsessed with voice memos, not just in relation to grief, but in relation to all of my problems at this point, you can just voice memo a good friend right then and there, blah, 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 blah. This is what I'm feeling. I'm overwhelmed because of this, blah, blah, blah. If it's your mom's diagnosis, you know, my mom received this news from the doctor. I'm so overwhelmed, blah, blah, blah. That friend can then respond in a voice memo, probably same day or the next day. And you don't have to coordinate the scheduling and the calls. When can you talk? Can you talk at four? Try me. Okay. In work at on zoom, try me, blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. you can get it out right away. I think it's such yeah. a good tool and then people can respond on their own time, but still quickly. Like sometimes you play phone tag with people for a week. You know oh my what I gosh. Mean? Yeah. That is so smart. I also think there's so much power in letting something physically out. Like yes. I, there are so many times where I start talking about something in therapy and I realize that like just through the process of talking, I'm like unraveling the ball of yarn as I go. Like she's not even saying anything. <laughs> like I, had, I don't even give her an opportunity to talk because I'm like, oh, and then, oh, and then, oh, like you just go down that own rabbit hole. Like when you let it come out of your brain and you physically put it into the air, it's, it is really fascinating how much it can unfold. A hundred percent. Even just the industry that I'm in is just competitive and it's overwhelming and it's last minute and I need to vent about stuff. And I'm sure people listening who also have demanding jobs and whatever that looks like can relate when you just have so much going on. Plus a lot of jobs that are fully virtual, partially virtual. You're just not with humans as much. So I voice memo people almost every single day. Like, here's what's going on today. Here's the problem. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, can you get back to me? Can you not? I don't know. Either way, I just needed to like get this out. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. So if you are experiencing anticipatory grief or grief itself, and you need to get it out, send a voice memo to a friend. And I don't care if you've never voiced memo them before, no time, like the present. Yeah. They can call you back if they want to do it that way, but at least you got it out at the time that you needed to get it out. So yes. Voice memo. Great advice from the girl who thinks that she doesn't have any advice. Thank you. Love. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I just feel like people are like, okay, this is what. Yeah, no, there's no like, there's no magic bullet, right? right? There's no one size fits all. There's no magic bullet. There's no something that's going, going to work for everybody. Or it, it sounds like it's so simple. This can't possibly be the thing to fix everything. But like the best thing for advice is just like the littlest things that are actually feel attainable that you can do and that you can implement in your life. And all the things that you said are just that. So thank you for sharing that with everybody here. A hundred percent. One of the last things I'd like to ask you is what have you learned about yourself throughout your diving into grief and the podcast and figuring out how to interweave comedy into everything? My gosh, what have I learned about myself? Um, that 
I am resilient. We as humans are very resilient. The fact that I can sit here openly discuss my dad's grief without crying at all is just fascinating. You know, I remember the time in my life where I was just so sad. I think college is a hard time of transitions anyways. And, you know, Mm -hmm. many of my friends were having the best time of their entire life. So I think that juxtaposition was even harder, just, you know, like 18, 19 dads dying. People are like, I'm so happy. I moved out. I'm like raging. And I was like, I don't want to drink. I don't want to Oh, I was just so sad. I, and, and, and I didn't feel like I got the full college experience. I don't know. I was just, I was just so sad. And the fact that I just feel really good about my life today, I feel excited for what's to come. I'm, I'm excited to continue to speak with people every week about their grief journeys. Yeah. I just feel like I'm resilient. That's like anyone listening to you're resilient. You will get through this. You know, you look at you here, you have a baby. Now you are also four years out doing a podcast. Like, and I'm sure it's similar, similar to you. That first year was probably just so horrible. Horrible. It's really cool that we can grow and change and evolve. And it doesn't mean you ever feel hundred percent fine. You don't, it still sucks for life, but it does change and it grows and it gets a little bit better in unique ways. So that's pretty cool. What's that quote? That's like, you, you don't ever get over it. You just grow with it. And that's what it is. I think sometimes the, that thought in the early days of like, I don't even, I don't want to get better because if I do, it means I'm over it. I I don't ever want to be over him. I want to remember him forever, but that's, they're not one, you know, they're not mutually exclusive or whatever the term is like, you can have both of it. My dad is still with me very much every day. And I I hope that you feel the same too, but you are just in a different place. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I actually changed my, so my last name Lloyd, my dad's, my dad's name was Lloyd. So when I was a teenager, I changed it to Lloyd because that was his name. And then when I say that to people, they're like, wait, was his name Lloyd Lloyd? I'm like, no, no, no. I took his first name as my last name. So that's a little thing that sometimes I even forget that I did that. I'm like, oh yeah, he literally is with me every single day. Like every single day, Chelsea Lloyd, Chelsea Lloyd, like that was him. So yeah, I I feel that I like what I love that you did that. I mean, I never even thought of changing it to his, like the first name. That's so cool that you did that. But similarly, I didn't change my name when I got married. So I kept my last name because it was my dad's last name because I just, that was, you know, the one way that I could hold on to it. And my husband and his whole family, thankfully are so supportive. And they're like that. We don't need that to have you part of our family. Like you are our family. It doesn't matter. So it's been really wonderful. I love that you said that. I think that's amazing. I think that is, that's a cool, that's cool. What you're saying about it in honor of your dad as well. And also just as women, we can do what we want. Right. I have been with my boyfriend for a bajillion years, but not married, but we're like, I, I, he knows that I don't plan to yeah. his name as well. And it's also because of, I don't, I don't know. It's like, people just know me as, as this from the acting side, but also like we can just do what we want. If people want to, I think that's yeah. amazing. I think if you don't want to, I think it's amazing. I think it's personal. I think it doesn't matter. And everyone should just do what works. Totally. Right. I'm not it. like this raging feminist who's like, we should keep our name. I'm just like, this is what works for me. Other people I know they, they right. like literally changed it the hour that they got married. And that's totally fine. Like whatever you want. Exactly. So if you want to change have- your name to Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, do that too. Do it. definitely do that please (laughs) and then your baby will have his last name is that what you decided no so she is she well we do have some legacy there as well um my husband's mom also passed away before we got married and so her middle name my baby's middle name is my mother-in-law's middle name which was also my mom's middle name they share 
Wow. Yeah. That's, so she's wait, Sienna Louise. Really amazing. I think yeah. we kind of talk about this on my episode too. That that's my really dad. Yeah. That they had the same middle name. Yeah. And then if we have another child, you know, we'll work my dad in there somehow or something. I'm very much of like the sentimental stuff, but it was like, if we had a boy, there was going to be something like an ode to my dad, but we have a girl and it's to his mom and it all works out. So yeah. What's in a name, all of that. Well, tell us where people can find you if they want to connect with you. And are there any comedy shows coming up anywhere across this uh, lovely country that we can find you? This lovely country, lovely country. So yeah, I would say the next big show I'm doing is December 16th at Flappers Comedy Show in Burbank. It's an all-female lineup. It's called Pretty Funny Women. It's one of my favorite groups to do stand-up with because I just love performing with all women. So that's at 8 p.m. on December 16th. You can DM me for discounted ticks, and then I'm at Chels Who Else on Instagram. Yes. Or at Dying of Laughter podcast on Instagram. And my podcast is the Dying of Laughter podcast. And last but not least, my favorite book rec is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I don't like have an affiliation with this. I just think it's a beautiful book that's not grief specific, but it does address the power of being still, being present and addressing the current moment that you are in. The first time I read it, 10, 12 years ago, it completely altered the way that I thought about myself and about my life. So I like wow. to, to anyone listening. I will add that to my audible stat. Thank you. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this conversation and keep everybody laughing. We love a good laugh, especially around death. I mean, you need it. <sighs> thank you. I'm so, so happy much. that we have you in this space to make people realize that. So thank you. Thank you. Ditto to you. Um, I love what you're doing with your pod. You ask really great questions. Thanks. I'm so excited that we have met online. This yeah. Space. And yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for you too. This was really awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at so sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of so sorry for your loss. So stay tuned.